0: Hello Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ everybody. Wednesday morning. Um There's all sorts of political wreckage we could get into today, but uh from what I understand, you were you were loving the Grammys uh this past weekend.
1: I actually did not watch them, but the uh the Tracy Chapman Luke Combs duet of course uh was fabulous i've seen the tape and heard mm-hmm. it and you know there were people bill who were you know kind of saying maybe it's a little bit of like cultural appropriation that it that this white country singer as is, is covering this song and that it's now popular on country radio and um i think uh Turned out to be great for everybody, including Tracy Chapman. And it's reintroduced this song not only to a new generation, but to a different demographic than you and I probably enjoyed it like back in the 80s. It's of a course. great song, Fast Car, right? Yeah. So I think to me, this was a sign of uh, cultural appropriation is a good thing, actually.
0: Well, it, it's not appropriation if the originator of the song is getting paid. <laughs> Fair point. But appropriation is okay, we white people are going to go to black communities, learn their sound, and then go make a profit off it, and they get nothing out of it. That's appropriation.
1: Um, oh, I mean, I think that's a fair distinction, which is why this this was, um, you know, this was a different thing, and I think uh, healthy, very good. I don't see a down, I really don't, I don't see a downside to to this. But I, but I would, but Bill, I would say that um, you know, while I believe in you know, compensating people uh, and that I don't believe in stealing their material and all of that. What you've just described, I also think, you know, nothing wrong with opening a taco restaurant if you're an Asian person or a white person. Well,
0: true. And look, it's it's art and art doesn't have in, uh, inherent boundaries. And what makes art evolve and become more interesting is the intersection of different cultures uh, to develop new sounds. Uh, You wouldn't want to keep everything, you know, frozen and siloed forever. It it just wouldn't be as interesting. Uh, So it's not, uh, I I just wouldn't want to live in that kind of world where, like, we weren't learning from each other. Uh, But there is this um, risk that we have seen happen where people who originate certain you know things that originate from other people's cultures get appropriated by white corporations, white artists, and it's not it's not a two way street. You know the people are are people aren't getting any. I mean, it, how you could you know, legislate that and regulate it is obviously very complicated, but it's something to be aware of, and I think it's healthy that we're aware of it. Uh, that and uh, I think people are approaching cultural intersection more sensitively now, being aware that, that we, we don't want to treat, uh, we don't want to just you know, use cultures for profit and not, uh, without people getting being properly recognized.
1: Now, Toby Keith also passed away. His song, Bill, uh, I Want to Be a Cowboy, or should I Should Have Been a Cowboy, mm-hmm. I think, was the number one most played record on radio in the 1990s, and not just country radio. I believe it was the most played song on the radio. Um, I saw you tweeted something about uh, maybe you don't like this jingoistic mm. courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Mm. He has other good songs. Mm. I concur he's got a, a quite a lot of good songs. I will defend courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue and say I actually like that song, mm. but uh, your point is well taken. That His catalog does not begin and end there.
0: Well, just look, I don't, I don't love a lot of things about Toby Keith's politics and attitude. I just heard an interview just, just, you know, after he passed, where he probably gave an interview just like a month ago, where he basically talked about being at peace with what's ever going to happen to him uh, and saying, you know, that's because I have faith. And if and, uh, people don't have faith, can't have that. And I was like, "Jeez, Toby, like <laughs> if, if you're an atheist, like you can't be at peace with like the inevitability of death. Like that's not really, that's not really a cool thing to say. Um, so it's not like I love all of Toby Keith's politics and cultural attitudes. Although it should be noted. He called himself a Democrat for a very long time. Uh, he wasn't reflexively pro war. He was very critical of the Iraq war, for example. Um, I don't know if he ever said he was if he voted for Trump, though it would not surprise me at all if he did. He, I mean, he called himself a Joe Lieberman Democrat at one point, but was against the Iraq war. So obviously he wasn't all that much. Into <laughs> <Joe Lieber. laughs> he always felt more kind of like America first ran Pauly to me. Um, so like, like Trump seems to me to be very much in his wheelhouse of a guy he would be into. But I don't think he ever flat out said it. I, yeah, not.
1: Not that I'm aware. I mean, he was, his prime was really the Bush era. Um, well, he became uh,
0: associated I t- with being, people assumed he was part and parcel of of the Bush vibe because of courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, because he named an album Shockin' Y'all, uh, and did American Soldier, which was, you know, not as hard-edged as Red, White, and Blue, but still seemingly in that i'm i'm gonna ride this pro-war uh pro-troop thing for as long as i can uh and so i think for a lot of people on the left who just reflexively don't like country music and a lot of uh what country music seems to represent like you might not even think about checking out other songs uh whereas like he just he was a good songwriter (laughs) uh and Put And there are certain songs that are very timeless, very widely accessible, uh, that just deserve, like if you were going to say like these are like the top 100 country songs of all time, like you'd put a few of Toby Keith songs in there because he was that good. Uh And just as much if you were on the right, like I'm sure there are people on the left whose politics you don't like, but you'd say, you know what, I like this song. I like this TV show. I like this movie. Well, trust
1: me, as a conservative growing up in like the 1980s, if you limited, if I limited my uh, enjoyment of music to only people who agreed with me, it would be Lee Greenwood. You know what I mean? Like that would be Ray Stevens and Lee Greenwood would be the entire catalog there. So uh, it's worth listening to. Um, and, you know, I will say, Bill, I I always remember I didn't know that he was sick. I remember Toby Keith always being kind of you know a little chunky uh not fat but you know ruddy and healthy looking and uh, and seeing him kind of look gaunt uh and some of the photos at the end were not uh were not great to for me to see but mm-hmm. um again th- i think his song uh i should have been a cowboy i believe played more than any other song on radio in the 1990s so uh You know, we'll toast him, Uh, Toby Keith, one of the greats.
0: I I love, I love this bar, and as good as I once was, those to me are, you know, peak, peak Toby Keith. Uh, Look, I understand. Like, if you're like, you know, chicks or die. I totally, like, I I saw the chicks perform. Like, I I never paid to see Toby Keith. I paid to see the chicks. Like, I'm not, if we're going to choose between the two, I'm going to go with the chicks. Bill,
1: let me just say, I find the term chicks demeaning. I prefer the Dixie gals (laughs) for political, you know, to be politically correct. I understand. Um, I am one of those people. I like the Dixie chicks and Toby Keith.
0: Yes. Um, And you can do that. You are allowed to like both.
1: I like them both. And by the way, let me just say the Dixie Chicks have a patriotic song uh, about a, a soldier who goes Trav- off the traveling soldier, traveling soldier. Yeah. Um, so I salute I salute the whole thing. And I even like the Dixie Chicks did a comeback uh, where they did a comeback song. Uh, I'm not ready. to, I ain't ready to play nice. Something or, like not, that. i ready to make nice. Yeah, that was a good song, too. Yeah, so, yeah I, I like it all. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of the whole thing. And uh, sorry to see Toby Keith go, but he left us with a lot well, of good and, music. Uh, and
0: you know, it's it's not exactly parallel, but I do think a lot of people had warm feelings seeing Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs come together because you know what the these genres don't the genres don't have to pull us apart. Um, there's there's so much there's so much commonality, yeah, uh, in music, uh, and I just think that seeing them perform it together just showed how it's silly to uh, treat these things as di- as as divisive elements when they came to unifying elements.
1: Amen, brother. All right. Well, speaking of divisive, <laughs> I guess it's time to turn to politics. Um, let me just set this up and I'll let you decide which of these things to talk about. But I think the theme of today's show has to be an embarrassing day for Republicans. And I'll just run through, maybe it's a bad day, maybe it's an embarrassing day. Um, but I think just like in the last 24 hours or so, we're recording this on a Wednesday. You've had uh, a Virginia appeals court, I think, determined that Trump is is not immune, uh, that he cannot claim immunity. Uh, we had Nikki Haley. She was the only person on the ballot, I think, in Nevada.
0: Right. And she I mean, was I mean, defeated. True. I mean, like I think like Tim Scott and Mike Pence were on or something.
1: Okay, she's the only active candidate on right. the ballot Correct. in Nevada, um, because there's also going to be a caucus where tr- that's where Trump is playing. Uh, but Nikki Haley lost to essentially none of the above. So,
0: which, which, which in Nevada is an option? They, they literally have a none of the above option, uh, which doesn't mean anything. Like if you if if I think it was if it was a real election. And a, a human being came in below that. I think that person still wins the election. Yeah. Right? But this her.
1: was already a beauty contest anyway. The, the only right. reason for Nikki to do this was for PR reasons. And it ends up being incredibly, I think, humiliating and embarrassing. Right. So the like she was never going to get any delegates anyway. The only reason to do this is to say you won the Nevada primary. She can't do that. She lost to the field or none of the above. Um, well, then we have. Oh, sorry, go on. Well, let me let me set this up, and then we can Great. we can pick one to to sort yes. of uh, uh, you know go off about rant about uh, a light on. Um, and then you had the the Republican House; um, they couldn't pass, or they they've decided to torpedo this border deal, which is pure security. There's no pathway to citizenship, it, except I think for some Afghan interpreters or something like that. But but essentially, it's all about security. Republicans have torpedoed that bill. Uh, they're thereby throwing uh James Lankford, the, the re- conservative republican chief negotiator under the bus. they're basically rubo you know marco and Isingham or or or, or whatever um then republicans tried to impeach uh mayorkas um and failed at that you know, normally you don't bring something to the floor unless you have the vote. So anyway, Bill, it's, I, I don't see any other way to frame it other than just a very bad, no good, rotten day for Republicans.
0: Um, I mean, I'm, I, I mainly agree. But let me just let me just be a little devil's advocate uh, for a sec. Um, so. New Yorkers will probably still get impeached on a second try. You know, Steve Scalise was out uh, for medical reasons. If he was present, they would get it by one vote. So I don't know when exactly he's planned to come back, uh, but they could still eke this out. Now, I don't know. I know the the New York 3 special election is next week. If a Democrat wins that, um, uh, I don't know how fast he gets sworn in. I don't, know, I don't know how fast is he's, until Steve Scalise comes is, back.
1: Is this the San- for Santos's Santos seat? Santos's seat,
0: yeah. So I think there's a decent chance that Democrats pick that seat back up. It's not a given. It's not a total slam dunk, but it's a it's a it's a lean Dem seat, and Swazi is a known commodity in the district there. Um, uh, and notably, uh, you know, he has embraced the border compromise, and the Republican candidate has not. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the thing that determines the race, but. You could look at it as a test case here. I mean this is a district that is uh you know P V I D plus two. Uh so it leans it leans blue, but it's not like hard blue. Uh and if Swazi has been kind of running a bit of a uh triangulation campaign, taking some shots at Democrats for not handling the border properly, saying their brand is is damaged, uh, but accepting this compromise. Uh, if he can win doing that, that suggests you know he's found you know political sweet spot uh, that could send a signal to other people across the country. Um, so I don't know if that's going to because I cause I think we're at like uh, so we're like two nineteen yeah twelve well, speak, right Bill, now. speaking of
1: you know this is like the Nikki Haley thing in the sense that it doesn't really matter, right? I mean the Senate is not going to convict Majorca. so Correct. this was. This was about, you know, a, a signal, and 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 We're also getting the show trial.
0: I think they want to. I think they yeah. want to have the trial and use that as a platform to harangue the whole Biden administration's handling of the border. Now, it's possible. Uh, I think it depends on how you how you interpret the rules. Um, I think there's there's an argument that this, the Senate's hands are tied and they have to have a trial. Uh, some could say, well, they can just dismiss the charges and not have a trial. And some argue, well, they can, they can send it to a committee and have the trial later. Uh, and I suppose it'll, it depends on yeah. how the majority wishes to interpret the rules, So what right. they and, actually do.
1: And I think that's fundamentally the Republicans, well, they've got a lot of problems. But one problem Republicans have is they don't have the presidency, they don't have the Senate, and they have a razor thin majority in the House. And yet they... They're operating in some ways as if they have everything. They they want the perfect deal on the border, for example. They they they'd rather do nothing. Um, so well, they would rather have
0: the border remain in chaos, and say Biden could fix it by himself if he wanted to, and he won't. And if you put Donald Trump in, he will. Now, obviously, this is highly disingenuous because Donald Trump said when he, when he was president, I need you to pass these bills so I have these powers so I can do this and that at the border. And earlier-
1: Plus, us conservatives should not be in favor of laying down the marker that says a president can just do what he wants without Congress.
0: But this is Trump's political party. And they, they, I mean, this is, this is a flip side of what, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying moral equivalents, but- You know, plenty of Democrats going into the Biden administration said, you can't trust Republicans. It's not worth trying to do half measures with them or giving them the the, the opportunity to pull away the football. We have things that we have to do uh, on climate, on the economy, on minimum wage, on voting rights. And we should just do them and we should creatively interpret Senate rules or creatively interpret executive authority. So these things can just get done without being hamstrung by them, uh, and you know Biden has done certain executive orders and they did certain things to reconciliation, but they didn't. But Biden did not do that uh, across the board, and also found ways to find middle ground on on various issues on immigration. And look, this thing I want to write about today. So I, I got my, I'm under the deadline gun today. Um, immigration has just completely broken. The republican party it is it defines the Republican Party now like that is that is the one through line from the day Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower and said Mexico's not saying their best. they're sending drugs, crime, and rapists, and some of them are good people like that was the line from his announcement, and he goes back to that throughout the administration in, in being president and in the post administration. That is the thing he wants to be known by. The thing he wants people to believe he's going to fix. And everything else gets pushed to the side from that point. And the Republican wasn't like this before June 2015. You know, Ronald Reagan passed amnesty. George H.W. Bush passed. Not only that, that.
1: Bill, not only did Reagan pass amnesty, but I was just watching a video because yesterday, February 6th, was his birthday. Also Babe Ruth, also Adley Rutschman. It's a good day. Um, So uh, I saw someone put a video out of Reagan. He was talking for like five minutes about how America is special because we have these new people who come and renew us and renew the American dream. And that's why we're out competing other countries. You can move to Japan, but you can't become Japanese. You can move to China, but, you know, you can move to France, but you don't become French. But anybody can come to America and become an American. And that is not only does that mean that we are welcoming, but that means that we are actually expanding and becoming more whatever dynamic. And and that was his worldview. Right. Right. Which is the opposite of Trump's.
0: Right. And I don't think. Like, nothing happened in between those points. Right. And Trump just showed up on June 2015. They were like this. There's definitely some um, – uh, I mean, you, you go back to the Bush immigration bill failure in 2006 when Lou Dobbs went ballistic on CNN. Like, every day was, uh, you know, border crisis, border crisis. Uh, and the, the right wing rose up and and thwarted that bill. And I know you can say the Democrats had that also. Which is fair. Um, but you you saw the rising tide of nativism from that point. You know, John McCain was the co-sponsor of that bill. It was the McCain Kennedy bill. And then by 2010, he's running for election saying complete the dang fence. Uh Build so the he, dang was, he was wall. his fingers are already in the wind on that in, in 2010. Uh and
1: so but personally, is- though, and and I'll just say, you know, in defense of of McCain and and the whole thing, I mean, as a Reagan conservative, you know, like I I really don't if I don't care if we build a fence. I don't I, I don't like the I don't like the um, sort of symbolism of it. But like you know, I believe we should be able to secure the border for for security reasons. I mean, you have to have a secure border and all of that but i also think we should be welcoming a lot of immigrants and be compassionate right, but the but the um,
0: message in 2010 didn't didn't balance those yeah. points
1: he was well perfect. he had i think he obviously had to uh you know uh, reinforce well that was I mean. like, the, the party was already overcompens- overcompensate is the overcompensate as the party term.
0: was already changing before trump's announcement but trump supercharged right. it uh and because Trump has made almost every other pillar of the Republican party meaningless. Uh, like immigration is the paramount principle or, or actually fear of immigration, hatred, of immigration, because it's not just illegal immigration. They're, they're mad about, you know, you know, there's a provision that in place now that a lot of Republicans want to get rid of. It's called humanitarian parole, where the president has authority to say, okay, We're going to suspend immigration law for you for a two-year period. And uh, Republicans say, well, that's supposed to be case by case. And Biden is doing a carte blanche for Cuba, Venezuela, Haiti, uh, Ukraine. Uh, And, of course, going back to the Reagan point, like Reagan would be like, hey, you know, you're fleeing communism. and want to come here. (laughs) Come come on board. I mean, like, like, I don't want to oversimplify Reagan because he was actually not – he actually denied a lot of asylum to people fleeing the El Salvador Civil War and the Guatemala Civil War. So, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but uh, he still had this overarching vision that he was pushing. Uh, and to th- I'm saying all this because, be- because immigration is the animating principle of the Republican Party right now, the animating focus of the Republican Party. It really disincentivizes splitting the difference on it with Democrats. Uh I mean this is why I mean Trump that right. his issue taken away from him. But okay, the Bill- issue is a form of betrayal. Uh and he has communicated that to the base, to Republicans in Congress, where a guy like J- Jim Langford, who is not a squish and negotiated a pretty good deal from a conservative perspective, uh Can't bring it over the finish line because to do so would be to take away the one thing
1: that is unifying the
0: Republican Party right now.
1: Fair point. I think that's probably how some people on the right are looking at it. Um, But they have, there are receipts, Bill. They have been explicit in uh, telegraphing the point you just made, which is to say, we are killing a bill that would secure the border for political reasons, because we would rather have the issue than solve the problem. Now, the question I have for you is, does that matter? Can Democrats use this now against Trump? Uh, Because they have the facts, and I think there's evidence, but does it matter? I think they probably can. I've I've written this, I, I mean, they should have the opportunity to flip the
0: script, and say we're actually trying to these people say it's the, it's it is an urgent national security crisis. there's a potential of terrorists to cross this border and kill us right now, but we should wait a year <laughs> until Trump's in office. yeah, we could do something, and the counter argument is well, I can't trust Biden. I do anything about it. okay, well, then do it, Pass and then the when,
1: bill. when Trump gets to be president. <laughs> As you know, he will. If
0: Biden doesn't do the job, then you can still say, well, I I gave him these powers and he still screwed it up. Yeah. Uh, But to say we can't even try uh, because it's going to help Joe Re-election is not putting the country first. So I think they have the opportunity to prosecute that case and their help with a lot of Republicans on camera saying the same thing, either because they're mad about it or saying it relatively openly, then that's their actual belief, <laughs>
1: that's okay. No, I agree, there is a ton of evidence. I mean, there is so much, vid- and not just from this, not just from the last 48 hours or whatever, but the last year, there is so much video evidence of Chip Roy, you a know, Republican, conservative Republican, saying like, what have we done? We haven't accomplished anything. We have Congress. We don't do anything. We, I challenge you to come down here and tell me one bill we've passed that matters. Like there's so much video evidence of, you know, Trump and other Republicans saying things. Uh, and yet, Bill, I mean, I, if, if Bill Clinton were president, I have no doubt he would go out there and he would take that immigration issue and he would beat Republicans over the head with it. I wanted to I wanted to do that, you know, Um <laughs> And I, I want Nuke to come down here to this border and see what's happening, all the people flooding across. I mean, Clinton could do that. I just, again, this is a theme of our discussion. Did you see Biden yesterday? No, I didn't. Oh, I mean Biden gave a speech at the White House yesterday where he, he made all those points? <laughs> Bill, you're proving my point. You are proving my point. I didn't see the speech. It doesn't matter what points he made in a speech that I didn't see. If I um, Bill, I do this I do this for a living. And I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm the most dedicated or sharpest person at what I do, but like if I didn't see it and I'm not aware of it, how on earth is it gonna sink through to the average American? Well,
0: it, it's not just one speech one day. It's a message you prosecute over over a period of time and, and it can't just be Biden as an individual, it's gotta be a team of people. But I think I think he's on point. I thought he gave a very cogent speech. It wasn't like you know, all thumbs Biden doesn't know where he is. Like he was, he was, he was very straightforward and clear. Now he all, he, 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 he is uh, speaking in his sort of like quiet grandpa voice. He has, he has a quiet grandpa voice and like get off my lawn, you know, screamy grandpa voice. Like those are the two modes of Biden right now. And I understand that maybe not be the ideal, you know, vibe you want, you know, for a president. But uh, the thing that I, that I believe Is really going to drive the final result here is the economy. And I think it's hard to make immigration a driving issue while the economy is good. It's easier when the economy is bad and you're blaming immigrants for making the economy bad for you, whether it's right or wrong. I'm not saying they should deserve the blame, but like, I think Logically speaking, you know, polit- politically logically well, and speaking with a
1: three with a three point seven percent unemployment rate. And granted, right. there are people who have dropped out of the workforce, but with a very low employment rate, one could argue that there's a demand for, for more people. Well, for a I mean, there's there's there's, a, there's an argument
0: that inflation has gone down because we have immigrants helping with the labor market. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, this is a hard thing for buying because it, it, it gets complicated to argue all the nuances of the issue. But. I just think that the types of things that sort of get people really riled up, immigration immigrants are taking your jobs, and they're cutting, they're cutting your wages. Like, that's not happening right now. Wages are beating inflation and unemployment is low. But uh, the, the so- Bill,
1: all that's true. And yet, Biden's, Biden's still losing in most polls that I see. That Quinnipiac poll may be an outlier. Um, and it doesn't seem to be helping by it. Now, look, the economy may be a lagging, you know, sort yeah, of. I
0: I, I think this will kick in in time. So long as we stay on. I mean, if the economy takes a turn, you know, I revise. But if, if, if we're going into election September, October, GDP is still solid. Unemployment is still low. Wages are still beating inflation. And the border is still not great because we couldn't get these things done. Um I think it will be hard for like right now, the, the, the the news coverage is still a lot of border, border, border. Uh, And and there are genuine stresses that is putting on certain communities. There are certain cities that are having a hard time finding shelter for people. And that puts a strain on municipal government budgets, which is one of the reasons why it's the worst polling issue for Biden. You know, it's not just Republicans there are Democrats who are, are annoyed with it. And, that's why it's it's a genuine- genuine problem to solve uh but most people walking around day to day are not like directly confronted with an immigrant making their lives worse, whereas like inflation that like you go to the store every day and you see a price spike like wherever you live, whatever your economic station that affects you that annoys you if that's coming down, and most people I had a guy say to me the other day, well you know interest rates are still high, it's still hard to buy a home uh I mean, people are. When well, people are still buying homes, uh, and not everybody is trying to buy a home at the same time,
1: so like
0: the, the number Plus, of people. And Jerome
1: Powell has, has signaled that interest rates are coming down.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they may well inch down over over time, but you might well if they're still. I think they'll come
1: down between now and the election. Yeah, so like there's lots of reasons to believe that we're going to be broadly in good shape with the economy. But Bill, here's here, here's what you don't get. The economy is improving because people know Donald Trump is going to win. Let's be honest. That's the reason the economy is getting better, because everyone knows Trump is going to win. And so that, that excites them and, and, and fixes. So Donald Trump
0: said in 2020, if Biden wins, the stock market is going to collapse. When the stock market actually reaches record highs, it's because Donald Trump is coming back into office. And then Biden's presence has nothing to do with anything. It's really positive about the economy. Uh, and of course, the fact that uh, the Obama economy was already up before Trump got there, totally irrelevant.
1: Uh, we could go on, but I know you do have a deadline today. Any, uh, you, you want to call it a day? I think we've hit most of the low points <laughs> of the Republicans' uh, embarrassing couple of days. Well, so just to touch on uh,
0: Nikki Haley uh, briefly, um, I mean, what is she doing? I mean, I, I, did she. I understand you, you could shrug <laughs> off Nevada and say, look, this is symbolic. I, wasn't, I didn't compete, I didn't campaign, didn't spend any money. The whole thing's the caucus is rigged for Trump anyway. Like, that's all true. Uh, but, like, it makes sense to downplay a meaningless contest if there is a meaningful contest coming up that you expect to do well in. That's what doesn't exist. That's, this is what's so yeah R- ridiculous about what she's doing, like there is no safe harbor for her anywhere. All that's coming is her home state primary where she is almost sure to be totally humiliated. So what her end game is completely escapes me,
1: yeah, well, look, I think there's two things at play: one, Nikki's getting publicity. nikki was on Saturday night live <laughs> uh the code open, and she did really well. She's, she's getting that attention.
0: in that area,
1: yeah. She's getting attention. She's getting publicity. What's not to like if you're Nikki? And I also do think that, you know, look, I the election was Donald Trump became the presumptive nominee after winning New Hampshire. I have no idea why she waited until after that point to start running a good campaign and actually being interesting and funny and 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 talking about the grumpy old men and all that. But she finally has. Um, and I think there's some net positives that are coming from what she's doing right now. I don't think she has a chance what, what, to win. What are they? Can, can you name one for me, please? I think that she is br- making fun of Donald Trump, and I oh, like that. Net positives for us, <laughs> no, not for her. I, I think there. Look, there was uh, again that Quinnipiac poll may. Maybe an outlier. I mean, I mean, it literally,
0: um, is an outlier based on other polling that's come out recently.
1: Yes. Okay, and certainly in terms of the horse race, it's an outlier because it had Biden up by six. Yeah. But within the poll, there was a finding that uh, that Biden had gained among women yeah. dramatically. Okay. I think that it's very plausible that that's real, and and mm-hmm. and if that's true, then you look at what happened in the month of January because that's. Quinnipiac polled in December, they polled again in January, and within that one month, there was all this movement among women toward Biden away from Trump. What happened? Well, I think four things happened. One, Trump became the presumptive nominee, so it's real now. Mm -hmm. Two, you have the E. Jean Carroll uh, uh, decision where she was awarded like $83.6 million. Uh, Then you have Nikki Haley. Um, who is now unleashed and and letting her rip. And then you have the Taylor Swift controversy bill that we talked about last week. Um, If you throw those things together, then Nikki's a part of uh, sort of alerting suburban women that this guy is a bad hombre.
0: Well, we're going to see, I think, an enormous gender gap on election day. And what's going to be challenging for pollsters, is what's that turnout mix? You know, are we going to see women be more motivated to vote than you might otherwise expect because of things like this? Are, are men going to be riled up because of the border or other or, or other other things? You know, we're never going to know for absolutely sure. Assuming the race remains close, which pollster is you know calibrating the dials just right to match what the turnout's going to be? um but to go back to my uh earlier point i just i i think when you get down to crunch time uh things that put you on edge now you know, what's going on at the border what what does this mean for tomorrow if this is happening today what's tomorrow going to look like oh my goodness like that biden made biden sound a little mumbly today oh no what's what's how, how's it going to look 6 months from now uh it's like that cuz i think can depress the incumbent vote earlier you get close to election day. It's like, oh, all those things that I was really anxious about—they didn't actually happen. And I don't know, my job's looking pretty good, and you know, I'm saving some money, and we went and got vacation plans. Why would I roll the dice on that guy when I last saw him? Like, gave me a giant pandemic, you know?
1: The big uh, X factor may be third-party candidates. You know,
0: I know I wrote a newsletter piece about that for the Washington Monthly newsletter. I mean, obviously, the polling would suggest that. Um, and kennedy in particular is raising a good amount of money but i and, and, the, and the no labels thing is is still a wild card but i am increasingly skeptical that any of these third party operations are going to be on enough ballots to really matter uh uh you know cornell west has almost no money um Actually, I should have double checked if he if he if he even filed his fourth quarter report. He didn't do it on the on the day of. Um, you might have done it by now, but when you, what he had in the third quarter was like you know change in the couch cushions kind of a, of a bank hmm. account. Uh, I doubt that has changed over the last quarter. Um, and uh, Kennedy uh, has raised a lot of money. But he's only on two, ba- two state ballots, potentially, at this point. He's, like he's, he's, he's met the requirements for two state ballots. And he's got time. But he recently said he's talking to the Libertarian Party. And look, the Libertarian Party's got a good track record of ballot access. They got in all 50 last two times. No, no other third party has done that. Uh, but one, he has to get the nomination, which is not a guarantee. He's got to, he's, he has to win it at the convention. And he hasn't been a pure libertarian all his life. But they've they've shown some partiality to sort of marquee names like Gary Johnson who also was sort of an impure libertarian. Uh, but if he runs as a libertarian, it kind of gives away the game. Like, he's not a proto-democrat if he's a libertarian. Uh, so I think it's hard for him to pull from the left if that's where he plants his flight. He's got to sound more libertarian to make nice with the libertarian d- delegates. Um, so that I think undercuts the possibility of him being a spoiler for, for Biden, against Biden. And then there's the no labels thing. And they're at, uh, they're at about 14 states right now. And look again, they have time, but the CNN, CNN just did a story on them. They're like, they don't even know what their convention is. They were going to do something in person. And now it's virtual, but now they don't know. And Larry Hogan just quit, uh, like, they don't seem like they're in great shape. I mean, again, maybe they can pull it together, but like, it's it's not easy to build a fresh new party. There are a lot of little things that you have to do, uh, and there's not a lot of evidence that they're doing them in a very intelligent and efficient way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's still an X, an X factor, but it's also very plausible. Like, they're just not on the enough states to, I mean, you, you got to get... In I mean, the way the media coverage works, you got to be in polls to drive media narratives,
1: and there's no hard and fast rule about this. So you're saying even if they're on the ballot, and I mean, I guess there is always the problem though of like what happened in Florida, you know, with with you know Nader and and, and Pat Buchanan, that even if you're not um, competitive nationally, if it like what if what if no labels screws up Wisconsin or 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 Pennsylvania, like one state, a few thousand votes could be the difference.
0: But Nader in 2000 was on, I think it was forty, it was 43 or 44 states. Okay. Again, this, and this is not a hard and fast rule, uh, but I think if you're not above 40, I don't think the national polling operations are going to include you because a good number of people can't vote for you. Uh, and if you're not in the polls, then you don't get the same media coverage. You can't drive narratives. I mean, you know, the Gary Johnson and Jill Stein were, you know, cracking. Were they were on you know
1: forty yeah. plus
0: states? They're in the polls. But, They're getting a few digits. They got they got on TV.
1: Uh, but how don't Orton, you think who I mean, ran
0: Green Party last time was on twenty nine ballots and got zipped?
1: But just to play devil's advocate, I mean, you don't need the mainstream media anymore. Like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can go on Joe Rogan, and it, and and wouldn't that generate enough buzz to like potentially mess up something somewhere? I don't. I don't think that's enough to be
0: considered a legitimate candidate in the. I mean, look, if if all you're pulling are whack job Joe Rogan listeners, these aren't the swing voters. Like you know, third party kid can get the the cranks. The question is, yeah. are you are you getting enough legitimacy that someone's gonna be like, oh, maybe this person has a shot, and I think it's worth uh, casting a vote for this person? Yeah, or this actually, person you're really right. I mean, something if... that I want to send a message by.
1: Uh, uh, Rogan voters would potentially hurt Trump, right? I mean Well that,
0: well there's that potential yeah. too, of course. Particularly with Kennedy. I mean he, he pulls some from both. We just, we just know what the mix is because he's still kind of a murky figure to a lot of people. Uh, but I think being a libertarian makes it harder for it to be a drag on, on on Biden.
1: Well we don't need to go into your boy Tucker Carlson uh interviewing <laughs> Vladimir Putin. We'll save we'll save that for uh for Joe well, Rogan to comment well, on again.
0: Well, he, he hasn't done it yet, right? We haven't seen the interview.
1: Yeah. He's, but he's been in Russia for multiple days, according to my Twitter feed. So,
0: all right, so maybe we can talk about that that next week. I'm, maybe I'm sure if a, uh, I'm sure if a figure on the left uh, went to uh, Venezuela to interview Maduro and echo a lot of Maduro's talking points on Venezuelan soil, that wouldn't cause any kind of you know ruffle at all.
1: No, everyone <laughs> would be pretty understanding of that though. <laughs> Let me plug uh, a couple things uh or China so first
0: very example, China
1: um I don't know if you've seen this bill there there i'm am a year late to this, but there's a show called Daisy Jones and the Six over at amazon prime mm-hmm. um and it's loosely kind of it's from a book, but it's sort of loosely based on Fleetwood Mac and uh not per, not a perfect show, but I would recommend it okay. uh, just finished it. Um, can't recommend this, haven't heard it yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Vampire Weekend, Bill. For uh, for those of us of a certain age, out with a new album soon. It's going to drop. I'm excited about that.
0: I'm distantly related by
1: marriage to one of the Vampire Weekend members. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, I took my boys uh, last week. I think it was last week. We we saw Jim Gaffigan, the comedian uh, oh, wow great at Constitution Hall. That was fun. But I would love to take him to see Vampire Weekend. Maybe you can make that happen, Bill.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I also through done. through that connection, I'm also just related to Scott Bayo.
1: So wait, is, is Vampire Weekend related to Scott Bayo?
0: Yeah, there's another Bayo in
1: Vampire oh, Weekend. I have no idea. I think we broke news. Um <laughs> oh, oh I want to plug I interviewed uh, David Fromm. And we t- we obviously talked about the border, but uh, we we spent a lot of time talking about Woodrow Wilson and uh, I, I David. Don't, I hope you mentioned me, Matt. Yeah, uh, you did not come up, Bill. I but I saw you. How, how could you not? Um, I don't want him to know that you and I are friends. <laughs> but but I know I think you and David uh, probably agree. I think you guys probably are on the same page regarding uncanceling Woodrow Wilson. Yes, complex figure, yes, did some bad, dead and said some bad things, but <clears throat> judged in the context of his times, uh, it's a little more complicated.
0: Uh, as I always say, whether you love or hate Wilson, just an enormously consequential historical figure, and you're just not understanding the story of America if you don't understand Wilson's role, and if you just if you minimize him as someone who resergated parts of the federal workforce you're just missing large chunks of the american story
1: i think you and david are on the same page mm-hmm. what do you want to plug bill uh you know,
0: check out the washington Monthly newsletter um uh you can see my piece about uh the diminishing threat of third parties uh I've had several things about the border uh the border deal uh lately uh and uh and i should have a
1: calm about Republicans and immigration coming out tomorrow. What you got to get to work on. Awesome. We'll we'll let you get to work on that. Follow us on Twitter at DMZ show. Subscribe at youtube.com slash Matt Lewis. Help out, uh, help us out. Go to patreon.com slash bill share and patreon.com slash Matt Lewis. Wet our beak, help us keep this pirate ship afloat as Adam Carolla might say, (laughs) and we'll see you back here in the DMZ next week. Take care. See you, Bill.